Hello, and welcome once again to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me, once again, are two academics from real institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you today from the Rooftop Sports Bar at the B.F. Skinner Center for Child Care here on the beautiful Hoople campus. Today, a new article about toys has us talking about toys, and we're asking two questions. What is a toy, and were there children in the past? And if so, what were any of them for? Okay, three or possibly four questions. What is playing anyway? Is it a free-form exercise of the imagination? You know how kids like stacking cans and sitting in boxes. Or is it the transmission of rules that we adults use to shape kids? Pretty cynical, I know. And what's the deal with archaeology periodically rediscovering children in the past? Where do they think adults came from in the first place? Anyway, are children little people or just mouths to feed? Talk about an age-old question. Okay, so um, here it is. I guess I guess we could call this our Labor Day edition. Um, Although it won't be posted till. Yeah, I know it's yeah. it's a little misleading. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who was? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's that's the theme. That that's the <laughs> podcast, Jerry. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Enough of this hemming and hawing. Um, the lightning round. Simple, straightforward, and to the point. Favorite childhood toy and why? Oh, that's tough. Two come to mind immediately. Okay, you you go because nothing comes to mind right away. Silly Putty and Mr. Potato Head. Wow. Very good. Did I love Silly Putty and Mr. Potato Head? Together as one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe my, i don't have the, that degree of resolution on my childhood memories but man did i love mr potato head <laughs> yeah well mr potato head uh, you know as opposed to a real potato <laughs> well it started out as being yeah. a real potato yeah originally you would just you bought a little package of pieces that you would then insert into potatoes into right? potato right yeah. so wait why why what spoke to you about mr potato head Oh, gosh, boy. There we get to the whole thing about, you know. What didn't really? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I just, maybe it was, I mean, who doesn't love a potato? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I mean, fried, roasted, baked. So then taking that and transforming it into a toy (laughs) just seems like a natural thing to love. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. Uh, Rachel? Well, I, I see the point of the silly putty. I have to admit more than I see the point of the Mr. Potato Head. Um, <laughs> no, well, uh, well but then the silly a... putty would always get all dirty with newsprint after you tried to put the yeah, newspaper and, onto it, and then you get that fresh egg. 
Right. right. Is there anything better than cracking open a fresh egg silly putty? <laughs> if there is, I'd like you to tell me. <laughs> right. Well, that's a very good point you make. Um, I would just have to say dolls. I can't be more specific. Several types of dolls. And I suspect we'll be talking about dolls during this the later part of this, this, this broadcast, but you know, both, both baby dolls um, and also Barbie dolls, which had very different functions and, uh, but um, dolls. Yeah. From, from Barb, from baby dolls to Barbie dolls. Right. right. Write that one oh, do you need the why is that part of it? Um, I mean, it's obvious, right? It's um, I like, you know, pretending to be a mother <laughs> of the baby dolls. Can you admit that in this day and age? I don't know, but I just did. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, I have a, I have a very peculiar one, as is my want. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> there was, and uh, Professor Dessel and I and I have I think discussed this. There was a, a fabulous TV show um, that came out of England called oh, Fireball XL Five. Oh, Super Mary Nation. Super Mary Nation. I. I love Super Mary Nation, um, and I had the I had the set. Oh, I had, I had the the actual XL five <clears throat> that would the the thing would come on, and it had all of the the pieces, all of the characters. Wow, Steve Zodiac, Commander, <laughs> yeah. and the robot, and I yeah. loved the robot. <laughs> and then one day, my sister. Oh. Um, tossed the robot oh. off of the porch into the grass why did she wow. do that unclear <laughs> i should funny. really i should really call her up and ask her that now. you really should what were you thinking <laughs> um so so yeah that's the one that because it was part it was imagination it was also you know a 3d instantiation of the thing that i I, I was seeing on the screen and yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All of our childhoods laid bare. Yeah. yeah. Really. Really. For one listener. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where are we going with this? What? what where are we, are we going? About? Well, because there's new talk. There's 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 a new buzz <laughs> on <laughs> the street, room. and uh, and it has to do with with toys and. As we were commenting beforehand, people seem to have rediscovered um, this idea that these button-like objects could be strung, and then you manipulate them back and forth to create this buzzing noise. And this was something that <clears throat> um, a, a late senior colleague, Gus Van Beek, curator of old world archaeology at the Smithsonian, sort of discovered and put on the map and proposed. And I had a I had a an email exchange with him, or possibly a, a tablet based <laughs> through the mails exchange with him about this, and um, and it brings up the whole idea of what is a toy, right. and were there children? The, the most long winded uh, introduction. Right, right. Well, you, you should probably also us. mention that these button like things with a hole in the middle that you can put a string on. Two, two uh, holes. Two holes. Two holes. Two right. Holes. Very right. important. That's what makes That's it an important characteristic. If it had one hole, it would be a whole different set of interpretations. That's a good point. That's a very good point. <clears throat> it would just be a button. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, it could have a button with two holes, but it would not be a yeah, button. Right. 
Right. That's the main thing is that it wouldn't be a buzz. It wouldn't be a buzz. Right. So so these uh, when you mentioned Gus Van, Van Beek, he um, did his work at Tel Gemma and there were a lot of them found at Tel Gemma. But similar things have been found all over the world, apparently. Um, so a lot of people were independently inventing, I'm going to say, uh, these toys. Did either of you do this as a child? Did you have these types? Of I things? seem to remember it was more elaborate. But I seem to remember discs on strings, like it would, you would buy the whole thing. Okay, and yeah. And you would pull it and it would right, spin and, it would, and yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I actually had one and that's why I got in touch with Gus. It was a, it was made, of course, of plastic. Mm-hmm. And it, it was about, uh, the disc itself was maybe six or eight inches in diameter. And you'd pull it back and forth between these two strings. Right. yeah. And yeah. it would make this zzzz sound which which was great um, right. do you think that had anything to do with your sister ultimately throwing your, <laughs> your toy on the no on this the was this came much later actually and it may be a result of my sister throwing the toy off yeah. of the porch um <laughs> but uh but you know it's interesting as i was doing copious research <laughs> about five five ten minutes ago during the victorian era Yes. There were these toys. Hold um, it. Were there children during the Victorian era? Uh, well, that's what that's, I was checking out. Because <laughs> uh, that's a whole thing. That's a whole meditation yeah, in and of itself. Yeah. Well, they were apparently they were invented around 1837. Yeah, as little yeah. adults. But just to continue this one thought, there were these two these buttons with two faces. And on one face would be like a smiling face, on the other face would be a would be a, a frowning face oh, and you go and you'd go back and you'd flip them back and forth and it had a name it was a a thaumatopy oh and and that's what uh that's what one of the, the few things that victorian children would would play with it's like early animation yes exactly and and there are such things in the past the remoter past as right. well right right the one we found on that website really made me quite dizzy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a little, um, yeah, little yeah, kind of psychedelic, right? <laughs> um, so, so we're starting out with the idea of toys and sort of following. There was this article put out by the BBC Channel, actually, which is where we were reading about Gus Van Beek, um, and then from from there the article and we are expanding to discuss toys and childhood and playing in general. What are we going to say? <laughs> well, We're- one of the things that I was going to say is there's an old adage in archeology, span which is you find what you look for. Mm. And up until this recent re interest in children, no one found anything that they thought belonged to children. Right. Rattles, weren't associated with children, small discs, buzzes, um, animal figurines, rattles. No one ever thought they were associated with children or said that. Yeah. But in the last 10 years, as one big discovery <laughs> after another had been sort of put here and there, all of a sudden people started getting interested in children right. and then they found what they looked for. And I'm not saying there's anything bad with this with this MO of finding what you look for, because no one ever thought to look for things belong to children. But once somebody once the idea started circulating, oh, what about children in antiquity or Mm -hmm. children on the archaeological record? Then we started finding stuff that 
could either be cultic or play toys. Right. Um, two very, very different uses. Exactly. Two or, very or, different or uses. Or are they? Or right. are two they? Different, yeah. Well, that's right. Two different functions. But it's really just a matter of first creating a, a you know, a, um, a, a contextual framework. Right. And once you once you create that, then you find stuff that belongs in it. Right, right, right. So um, it's asking and, the questions first. And then you realize, oh, yeah, there's a lot of evidence for children, but we just hadn't recognized it because we weren't looking for it. Yeah. And yeah. Then, As opposed to simply going out there and digging big whopping holes. Right. Well, well that's. That gets done all the time. Dare I question. say hypothetical deductive reasoning? Whoa. Um, Whoa. Yeah. No <laughs> child could ever say that. <laughs> that's that's true. No, um, it's nomothetic. <laughs> nomothetic paradigm making <laughs> for you, for you for you people um, following at home. I mean, but it brings up um immediately all sorts of questions, which we've already even said yes like, but now every artifact is being interpreted as a toy okay right. whoa 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 every... well calm down you're, you're <laughs> see you're now i'm at now i'm irate you're <laughs> irate but we you went even, there and we haven't even like laid out the, the whole problem yet because now i forgot what i was going to say problem you want a problem <laughs> <laughs> no but but that's yeah okay i'm not gonna i don't know what you're getting all hot and bothered about that's what happens in archaeology it's very faddish and trendy, and people come up with new, you know, things. Where are where are old people in the archaeological record? You know, where are children in the archaeological record? And and by and large, you know, once those questions get asked, we re-examine the data and say, oh yeah, there's a little bit of evidence here and some evidence there, and you know, right. Although there really weren't that many old people because you know, like scan and all that, but um, but uh, there were plenty of children, um some of whom survived to adulthood. Um, I, what I was going to say was the whole question of, um, you know, what is childhood? Uh, how do people think of children in the past and in the Victorian era and today? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I see. I don't think that is the question. Oh, okay. Ooh. Well, what is the question? Expound. <laughs> I, no, I think the question is, <laughs> I think we have to, you know, start with the data. And the question is, is this stuff the, you know, the, the, uh, is it, are they toys? Okay. You want or, to and and I think we need to sort of talk about this issue of why is it, you know, why do we go to these extremes, toys or cultic objects? Um, and then what about figurines? I mean, you well, know, I always thought, and you, of course, Rachel, you do figurines, but you know, I've always thought that, that figurines, of all the categories of archaeological data, the figurines were always over-theorized. Very true. Uh, there was always so mm -hmm. much apparatus to figuring out what the hell a figurine is, instead yeah. of just saying, oh, yeah, maybe kids played with these things. Right. Because right. after all, kids play with dolls. Well, that is very true. And that made that was probably the most interesting thing of the various things that we read, just the idea of of dolls and types of of dolls, but um, I've I've a bone to pick with the idea of of a lot of these particularly Southern Levantine types of of figurines, female figurines being toys. But we can get to that. I'm, and I'm not saying that they are. Okay, I'm just saying they I'm just saying that figurines have been over theorized, and that okay. <laughs> one of the one of the reductionist ways of looking at figurines might just be to say, yeah, they made a lot. We have a lot of them. 
because, right. you know, they're being used as toys or in part being used as toys. And that was the other thing that came out. Maybe these things have, you know, like most things have uh, several different functions. Right. That's very interesting, actually. That's really interesting. Well, that's the question of what is a toy? Is a toy something that a child just plays with for pleasure? Or is it a, a, a device that the adults give to the child to train them in some way about patterns of behavior, patterns of patterns of culture. Um, so if, you know, and when, when you see your child biting the head off of the figurine, you say, no, 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 you don't do that because that that's not good. Don't smash your dolly or what, what have you um, nurture it right. like a good parental figure. You, you, but you don't necessarily have to say that because a lot of children don't bite the heads off their dollies. A lot of children want to, are, are, isn't play considered imitative in nature? They're, they're learning on their own. This is what they want to do. They want to imitate the adults. Um, so, so, you know, they, they have dolls and they want to treat their dolls the way, the way all the other children younger than them are, are being treated in the family. Um, and, or maybe, uh, maybe the parents are just giving them these toys so that they'll get out of their hair. Absolutely possible. We got into trouble at one point talking about figurines. We did. Oh, did we? <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. We don't want that now. No. <laughs> Might. The lawyers <laughs> had to get involved. <laughs> but... Um, but why is it that that children, until until you introduce them to actual processed toys, why do they just love boxes and, right. and cans, stacking and cans, and stacking cans? It's course, it's it's us who give them these toys play. to give them bigger ideas. Well, I think toys have simply developed out of what children want to play with, right? If you're stacking cans, then somebody invents, you know, Duplo or Lego eventually to give them something less dangerous so they don't cut themselves on metal. Um, but it's the same principle as what they do now. Well, don't give them can openers. Good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, is it is it the same? Is it really the same? I don't think it's the same. I think... I think if you go to the to the the most culturally overburdened or <laughs> um, toy toy object in modern history, and that would be Barbie mm. and her consort Ken, mm -hmm. which presents a whole series. Oh, oh, no, God. it's a whole series of 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 um, cultural and behavioral assumptions that, that go with it. It's not like which is completely different from the, you know, the rustic rag doll of the 19th century sewn together from a potato sack. Right. Though rag dolls have received a lot of scholarly attention. Mm. So I'm not so sure that that's actually a good, um, you know, okay. point of comparison. I mean, dolls, dolls in general have really received a lot of attention. That's, that's very true. And Barbies in particular have received right. a lot Barbies of in particular, but it's, you know, the Barbie, Barbie is just sort of the, the, 
at the end of a long tradition of the analysis and meaning of what dolls are in societies. <laughs> well, we can't just dismiss that. I mean, we have to. No, not at all. Yeah. But I mean, but, but okay, but let's get back to the very fundamental question. Why, when we look at a miniature vessel or yeah. a rattle, do right. we say, oh, it's either cultic? And now well, we used to just say it's cultic. cultic yeah. Now we say, is it cultic or is it a toy? Right. And what is it? And we, and we never just said, oh, you know, the humans were tiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> well, that, that's why they come up with toys. Well, um, exactly. The humans were tiny. Right. Um, but but tiny, look, right? I mean, a rattle is a perfect example because it could be cultic easily. It could be an instrument um, used in a ritual. Um, or it could be a baby's rattle. It could be a dual use technology. Exactly. It could be a baby. It could be a, a toy until the kids' parents <laughs> that, come in and say, fly? Put that down. we're using it for the ceremony tonight. Is that a fly flying around you? Yes. I'm waiting to kill it. Okay. You know, I'm, you know this is one of my. You are the expert. I am. I've flies. seen this man do do things to flies that I yeah. couldn't even I, I couldn't describe for a family audience. <laughs> this one is going to die in about ten seconds. Oh, good, because not be able to stop laughing. <laughs> yep, that's it. Well done. I think I got it. I think I might have just wounded it. Cat like <laughs> cat like reflexes. <laughs> All right, enough about that. All right. So back to these things because there's this, you know, there was this analysis of votives found in a domestic um, context to tell Najila uh, that moved that category of of uh, artifacts from votive to children's toys. How do you guys? What do you think of that? Well, now you've used the key word, which is context. <laughs> <laughs> and a magic word and a toy yeah. duck comes down <laughs> so so if you if you're finding these things in a domestic context oh children were living here um then then you can as they were in every domestic context one assumes <laughs> then then you can suddenly say these are toys um as opposed to i don't know why would you need why would you need tiny vessels for votive purposes i mean that's another question i guess oh, there's another question yeah. And nobody really ever explains what these votives are, are for. Yeah. It's, right. do, they, do they just want to make little little tiny cheesy examples of these cultic vessels as a way of not spending the time and energy? Or money. Or, Maybe or they're money. just cheaper. I don't know. I don't know that it's are talking about clay objects. It's not necessarily easier or cheaper to, well, I guess it uses less clay, but it's harder to manufacture something miniature one could argue then one could argue that but you also yeah oh my god this is getting really you know for an for an episode on toys we're getting really pedantic <laughs> <laughs> didn't you know this was going to happen <laughs> yeah um, i mean okay so so modern jewish kiddish cups that you use on friday night to pour wine into individual portions of wine some of those are made very very tiny on purpose and yeah. um, right. you know there's so? an example <laughs> right, but they're okay. So we we could call those votives, but they're part of a larger ceremonial process that <laughs> that is full sized, you might say. But and, one can never see the ritual; one can only see the artifacts used in the ritual. Right. So so Ooh. why are they why are they so small? Well, you're distributing something over to a large number, larger number of people, let's say, but. Mm -hmm. If you have miniaturized vessels, clay vessels in a 
in a context that looks cultic. Um, who's using them? Are they gifts to the gods? Are they, were they, are they one-time use Dixie cups, um, shot glasses? Uh, it's all, it's all not very well. Somebody isn't thinking something through, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> namely well, us. Who can we write to about this? Can I refine? Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. No, refine, <laughs> refinement is good. Go for I it. I want to refine my answer to the lightning round where I said dolls, oh. any kind of dolls, because the, the kind of dolls that was really my favorite were dollhouse dolls and having a dollhouse with miniature furniture and miniature people. And you can sort of tell whole stories with it um, in, in act, you know, daily life kind of stuff. And the best is, and this is what made me think of it right now, the miniature plates and the miniature spoons and forks and so on and everything in miniature. I think there's also something about miniature that is very appealing. You we know, there are adults who collect dollhouse stuff. There's been a lot of, I know there's been a lot of uh, scholarship in, in classical archaeology on miniatures. Okay. It's a big thing. Hey, maybe we're getting, maybe we're getting those model houses all wrong. And those model houses are just, you know, toy, toy doll houses for all the miniature votives. Right, right. Right. And the kids would just march their little horse and riders in and they'd march them out again well what about all these animal figurines what are your thoughts on these, these animal figurines yeah Some that's actually more yeah. more interesting than the human figurines in terms of toys um why 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 do you say that i'm just curious yeah i i think because because you can talk about goddesses and all this with the human figurines and i suppose you could also talk about animals that are sacred but we don't you know they're toys <laughs> i mean what <laughs> well i mean why couldn't the animals also be gods? Well, they could be. They could be. But it just strikes me that, you know, oh, a cute little whatever lion figurine or right? it's it's just strikes me as, you know, you go to the zoo, you come away with a souvenir of little tiny animals and you kind of get to think about animals. Um I guess I'm having trouble putting it into sophisticated words. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me use these these visual aids, these little models. Let me get my SAT word generator. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I feel like, um, I don't know, it's easier to see, I'm thinking of Judean pillar figurines, and this is where we got ourselves into trouble at some point, right? Um, you know, as as goddesses. Uh, yeah, okay. Fertility. Well, what, are, what about horse and rider figurines? What about little wheeled carts? And I'm things? more comfortable with those as toys. What about, what about little donkey figurines that look like? I th I think these are, I think they recreate the world in miniature. Oh, oh my God! Just are they toys or not? They are toys. Oh, okay. But okay. the but the, but the but the but their toys have a point. Do they? I think they do. I I would love to hear. <laughs> I would love to hear your deconstruction of Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what is the because, point, Mr. Because the point there was to take a hyperactive kid and get him, <laughs> get him, get him out of out from underfoot, and you know, distract him for a couple of hours. No, that's not the point. The point is oh, yeah, to improve <laughs> to improve manual dexterity skills and to have and and creativity. You know, you can have an ear sticking out of the top of his head if you want. 
That's right. Yeah, which I'm sure you did, right? The toys do, I mean, that's, now you're getting into all of the psychological analysis of toys and there yeah. there has to be a point. Does there have to be a point? I mean, part of the whole thing about playing is, is it's liberating, it's freeing, there is no point, you don't have to have rules, it's a way to express yourself and let everything out and not worry about, you know, the 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 rules of society and everything else. So does there have to be a point? I mean, if you have a if you have a horse figurine, okay, you're living in the Bronze Age. <laughs> you're living in the on a Bronze Age tell. Okay, everything smells really bad, but that doesn't matter because you're used to it. You're living in just a mud brick morass, but mm -hmm. that doesn't matter because you're used to it. Right. You giving you're given this little, you know, quadruped toy, and all you're doing is is playing with it. All yeah. you're doing is you know. Get do it, getting out of your parents' hair. You're visualizing. You're being creative. You're doing all of those things that we talk about toys function as, but but all of that wasn't recognized by Bronze Age parents. Okay, right. You're right. I mean, it was really there was many more pragmatic decisions that were being made by giving by by giving a kid a little a little horse. Right, a clay horse. Right, that's that's true. That's well, true. here's a, here's another question then. Um, if if you're let's say a Bronze Age child, how long? <laughs> <laughs> a Bronze Age child at heart, aren't we all? Um, <laughs> how how long was uh, childhood? Well, now that's okay. Now I think that's that's kind of relatively easy because it has to. Oh, do is it? Yeah, oh, it has to it? do with puberty and marriage. Right. It does. So, yeah. yeah. It was relatively. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Puberty, puberty and marriage. So you, you, you got to be a child until you reached puberty? Pretty much. Because then you got to get married and have babies. No, but it also is, a, but it's also that. a class issue because, you know, as we know from the Mari texts, you know, some of these, some of these royal princes were real, you know, hipster doofuses. Right. 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 Okay. They trust the kingdom to. So right. they got to extend their childhood. And that's that's were, true. Well, uh, yes and no. They they're they're exactly as you say, hipster doofuses. But that's but they did get their kingdoms in spite of it. Right, so and they, they played with their kingdoms. They like, don't be like I forget the exact names, but one of them was like, "Don't be like your brother, right? Who squ squandered away is you know and and didn't do any and, yeah. you know did nothing for years, you know." One of them was Yasme Lin, and the other one oh, and that Yas guy, right? Yasme, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, they're oh. still talking about him, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, you know, I think that there's a big class issue to how long childhood exists. Okay, but the, 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 cla the, cla the class issue aside, um, let's say 99% of children were not in the social class where they could they yeah. could fritter away their kingdom at, in Saint-Tropez or, you know, at the tables in Monaco. Um, but, oh, yeah, fair enough, right. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> most of them, but most of them, we're not hanging around until puberty, um, just being mouths to feed. As oh, soon as oh, they... I thought you were saying the opposite. I thought you were saying that uh, they could continue to be children beyond puberty. You're saying that they ended childhood long before puberty. Yeah, uh, as soon as they could. Charles Dickens over there is saying, <laughs> saying that they, we put them to work as soon, right. as soon as they could, you know, take a sheep out three or four kilometers and bring them safely home, home right. at night. Right. No, I, I think, well, go ahead. Alex. As soon as they could, you know, glean right. <laughs> from the fields 
and mine the uh, the 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 flocks. And and in fact, there's there's research now that <clears throat> about pottery manufacturing, which is which shows maybe fingerprints, maybe of yes. kids. Yes, so the whole fingerprint thing. Remember, if you remember all the epigraphic work done by Longacre, et cetera, in the Philippines. We now know that children are doing lots and are participating in lots of segments of the ceramic right. production. Right, right, right. So, I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive, though. I think you can be working during part of the day and then, you know, playing with your animals and figurines during downtime. Because um, I think well, even that, you- yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting um, question. Is okay, you're you become useful when you become useful. Five, let's right. say. <laughs> Whoa! Oh my God! Why? We, we 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 have to have standards around here. Um, but cognitively, emotionally, you know, you're still you're still five, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, what do you do when you're not tending the sheep? Where does where does your mind go? Right. Well, exactly. And do you play with things or? Or does dad say, put that, put that doll away. You're a little man now. But it depends on what you're doing, because if you're taking the sheep out, you've got a lot of dead time to play with that's, buzz. That's very true. And what right. else would you be doing? Um, except maybe right. holding your rattle and, and making music with it. Um, right. And whereas if you're, you know, out there picking crops with your parents, then, you know, you have no downtime. Right. Right. And if you're working in the in in the in the iron foundry no you no one's <laughs> oh my god well they have those you know delicate little fingers they could be picking apart the... maybe they're weaving i doubt they're working they're probably, in the iron yeah. foundry because yeah. those or delicate little fingers you know, would be end up soldered to each other right they're, they're doing the prep for the for the wool they're they're i forget the term or they're tying the knots because their little fingers can do that kind of thing right right much better than adults right right the, they're useful right right but for, that, for but, parent, but parenting was not the way it is now in the bronze age mm, we have well, no idea that's the reciprocal question because because first of all we don't want our five-year-olds to be working right we do want them to be going to school and uh but they some do people want their five-year-olds to be working yeah. okay okay I mean, that's a you know again that's there's a lot of class to all of these responses that's true that's true but what i was getting at is is, you know, we over schedule whatever our kids today. But, you know, I think at the end of the workday, um, you're not gonna be chasing after a kid, hey, you get back to work. You're gonna say, oh, he's worked enough. Just let him be, let him run around for five minutes. It's not okay. worth it. You would make a great Bronze Age parent. You think so? Thank you. <laughs> or maybe that's not a compliment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, well, parent, you know, childhood and parenthood, it's, Two sides of the same coin, really. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of other things that I want to make sure we get to, though. Oh, let's get to them. Yeah. So so first of all, I, I'll, I'll throw out two, two or three things. First of all, we're seeing certain things. We're seeing figurines. We're seeing rattles, whatever. Um, a lot of things were made uh, by uh, somebody mentioned ragdolls, so perishable items. I'm thinking of the corncob doll in the Little House books so there are a lot of things made uh, that, that would only be for you know aztec olmec uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right post-columbian yeah <laughs> not old world kids right um they're they're playing with little barley dolls okay so, so <laughs> sorghum okay. dolls let me let me go 
to a different direction then, um, which is uh, games as opposed to toys. Oh, we talked about games, didn't we? Did we? T- oh, we did talk about we games. Did, yeah. um, but I'm thinking of of you know we did have a whole episode about games. I'm thinking about astragali, you know, little gaming pieces instead of jacks. Well, you throw right. Okay. Well, astragali are a good um, are, are a good thing to bring up because we always assume that they're you know gaming pieces. But but maybe they're not. It's I mean, fun from fun for kids from eight to eighty. Yeah, we know for, we know by a certain point in time, by you know maybe the Roman period, that they are gaming pieces. Right. But when you find them in Iron Age context, they're always thought to be cultic. Right. Um. You know, divination, knuckle bones found in a found in a vessel, even yeah. if it's in a kind of a cultic spot. Um. But you know, these are all assumptions. These are all assumptions, but the, and then the other thing, maybe we said this when we were talking about games. I don't know. Cause I can't remember. Uh, games are not necessarily just for children. Um, you know, you're, you know, what, what are you? And again, this is a class thing. And if you have leisure time or if you don't, but you know, you're not watching, you're not watching Netflix in the evenings, you got to do something. So everybody might be sitting around um, playing jackals and hounds or whatever it is. I think it's, I think toys are the same thing as, as games. I think it's about learning rules. Oh my God. <laughs> I have a childhood to do. <laughs> I think it's about learning cooperation. It's about learning bargaining and it's cheating is learning that the world is a zero sum place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, as opposed to a doll, which you have to, you know, Certain kinds of toys have different have different parameters. You want to take care of your doll. You didn't take care of your doll, and now its head's fallen off. Are you happy? <laughs> Man. Do you, do I you, think that yeah. uh, you know Bronze Age childhoods were quite Dickensian. Okay, <laughs> I think I think they weren't as structured as as the workhouse. <laughs> no, I I think they were quite Dickensian, but I but that. But we're still unresolved about what all these artifacts are. Right. That's we haven't right. really spoken in any clear and determinative way about what these figurines are or rattles or these potential possible buzzes. So, you know. so, so do either of you want to make an argument for female figurines of the Bronze and Iron Ages being toys as opposed to goddesses or, or, or fertility something or others? Oh. Ritual, something or others. No, because because uh, the again the context. So you have contexts, and I'm thinking in particular of a cave um, in Jerusalem in the Iron Age where you have like 800 of these things. Mm-hmm. So unless it's some kind of you know Iron Age Barbie convention, right, right. Uh, well, it, it could be the warehouse, <laughs> right? It's a <laughs> central distribution point, right. Um, because I was I was thinking that uh, to continue with a Barbie analogy, um, with Barbie and also with other things like paper dolls, you dress them up, and that's kind of the point of playing with them. Oh, fashion! You can dress her this way, you can dress her that way, and um, you can't really do that with the Bronze and Iron Age figurines from, from the area. Oh, of who knows? They might have had little pieces of 
know, little, <laughs> little, little leather clothes. Yeah, and, except and the, 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 the pillar figurines have their arms up like this. It's really awkward to get clothes on like that. Um, <laughs> and the plaque figurines, well, you can't put clothes on a plaque figurine. No, plaque figurines, yeah. No, I would say plaque figurines, they would not be a lot of fun. Yeah. But but the horse and rider figurines. Yeah, horse and rider figurines. Everybody loves those. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's uh, that's basically you know Toy Story, <laughs> Toy Story Zero. Right, and but that's why I think that it's more of a likelihood that those, again, depending on the context where they're found, because that could blow the whole argument, that those are more likely to be toys, as opposed to the female figurines. Well, I, I think we're I think we're getting to a point where we can safely say that there is no hard and fast criteria. Right, <laughs> that context really matters. Context really does matter. Um. Which brings me to, if you find um, a potential toy artifact in the tomb of a child, is that the smoking gun? Sure. <laughs> you, you've rendered us speechless. Sure. Why Apparently. not? I'm just trying to keep the conversation going here. I, I, think... know. I don't know if you can have a smoking gun in these kinds of... In these kinds of uh debates or whatever okay i mean it could be but it doesn't have to be okay i think the most important thing is is people are asking these questions yeah I think we're, we're just glad we to have been invited questions. along for the ride yeah right for a long time we assumed everything was cultic right right and, and this is actually a breath of fresh air to think of things as right as not being cultic and part of some other kind of aspect of life right 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 well, um, what about what about adults? Do they have toys? <laughs> David Suskind down there <laughs> asking the asking the incisive questions of the day. Well, sure, of I, course they had toys, but you know, no one's going to admit to it, <laughs> right? Or or were there toys? Were something along the lines of I just got this new bow and arrow? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... man, check out my new knife. Yeah, well, I have heard both of you go on about your pens and your, you know, exciting new pens that write so smoothly and all this. That's those are toys. Yeah, but we're so I mean, that's you're talking about again, that's such a class issue. Very true. That's right. all about time and disposable income. Right, right, right. Right. But bows and arrows are actually a little bit well, pens are also tools of writing. So and bows and arrows are actually, you know. I need that pen. Right. <laughs> it enhances my productivity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly things like bows and arrows and, you know, tiny little, tiny little flint knives. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Right. But what about, what about jewelry then? Oh, is that, is that, should that be classified as a toy because it's non-functional or its function is not purely utilitarian in the sense of you can't yeah but it's not kill something you, or cook with it yeah but you just made the argument that toys do have a function so i don't think everything that isn't that isn't functional is a toy i mean there's lots and lots of categories i i don't i'm not buying that yeah jewelry i think jewelry separate yeah. <laughs> decorative absolute it's, necessity it's a, it's a display of prestige right a lot of things Oh, and, it's a it's about rules. Well. 
It's about rules and cooperation and bargaining, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Just wanted to establish that. <laughs> I think we need to go back to context though. Um, because, you know, if you find, again, if you find something in a tomb of a child um, that could be a toy um, going on the basis of you need things in the afterlife that you use during this life. Right. But then by definition, it's not simply a toy. It has, it fits into a ritual context. Right. Okay. A, a metaphysical, it's right. a metaphysical toy. And I also do like the idea of, of dual use. <laughs> Can you take your can you take your terafim off the shelf there and play with them, um, or are they purely for worship? Well, I mean, kids don't care about those rules. They'll play right. with anything. I guess the question is: Does does the mother or father yell at you if you do that, or is it okay? Depends on the parent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's all up to the parent. What kind right. of parent they want to be? Uh, Doctor Spock in the in the second millennium BC. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we've asked a lot of questions. <laughs> exactly. And that's as, the main point. As is our want. What I wanted to make is that we can take an artifact and have, you know, a, a very wide, disparate number of interpretations of that artifact. And we're no further along <laughs> than, than we were when we started. And that's really the both the beauty and the curse of archaeology. Mm. The same archaeologists can look at a, a, a small circular piece of pottery with two holes in it, and one of them can say it's, you know, a furniture inlay, and the other can say it's a toy. And for quite a long time, no one will know until yeah. there's more demonstrable evidence one way or the other right right and and in greece you have things like you know i'm thinking of a image of a boy playing with the ball so you do have some uh later antiquity clarity right. and and plato writes about children playing with toys and so right. you do have in later antiquity clarity but i don't know that we're going to get that kind of clarity well, what do you need for clarity you need texts or you need the art historical you know yeah. demonstration which is sort of more text-like Right, right, right. Exactly. And so for, for the Bronze and Iron Ages, we just don't have a lot of that. Right. At least the Bronze and Iron Ages in the Southern Levant. In our part of the world, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Need those texts. Did they have balls in the Bronze Age to <laughs> they, play with? Uh, probably made out of stone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, made out of skins. <laughs> made out of skins. Okay. Made out of bladders. Or wicker. Wicker yeah. balls. Yeah, good point. Oh, this is interesting. More about perishable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the un all the perishable toys. Stop eating that ball. <laughs> You're not done playing with it. I mean, this is why did, did either of you did either of you enjoy watching the Flintstones as kids? Yabba dabba do. <laughs> I mean, I think part of the fun of it was, you know, seeing these crazy things that would be, you know, manufactured or, you know, birds standing in for whatever. And and uh, as crazy as a dinosaur and human being living in the same at the same time period. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. There's a whole museum of that of uh, <laughs> that in Kentucky. Right. Right. Yeah, right. it gets confusing. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. OK. I have final thoughts. Well, I gave my final thought. It was oh. a good final thought. Can I just say 
excellent final thought and, and <laughs> no, you need your own final you thought. Get your own. Dorsman <laughs> final thought. You come um, up with a final thought. All right. I I I like the idea of of double use, especially of human shaped figurines. Um a little bit of play, a little bit of ritual. Not sure if that's true, but I like the idea. I'm hesitant even here with <laughs> what, what Mr. Rules, Dr. Rules and Regulations say. But <laughs> human behavior is patterned, folks. Kids, <laughs> learn, learn the rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That's a good final thought. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. Well, that episode makes me want to hug my children and apologize to my mother. So we'd like to thank Erez Dessel, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Chicago Philharmonic, for our theme music. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, the Dumont Television Network, presenting Children of the Corn tonight at midnight. To get in touch, leave us a comment, or send us an email at thisweekintheancientnearest, as you know, it's all one word, at gmail.com, or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.